Do you know a woman who is driving positive change, growth, or innovation in her organization or community? The second annual Success Women of Influence Awards are underway. So whether a friend, a family member, or peer, give the recognition she deserves. The Success Women of Influence Awards honor, celebrate, and empower the extraordinary women whose contributions have impacted their industries and their communities, and the personal and professional lives of those in their world. Visit success.com slash W-O-I to nominate the women of influence in your life today. If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hello, friends, and welcome to In the Details. I'm your host, Karen Allen. I am super excited about today's guest because she's someone who... She's in my life and I'm just like absolutely in awe of her. And I can't wait for you to learn more about Jackie Camp. I was impressed with Jackie when she asked me to come in and speak at a leadership event for her organization. And as I was learning more and more about her, I was like, wait a minute, I think I'm falling in love with this woman's heart. Like what is, she is the true embodiment of everything that I stand for and, and even what I teach my clients. And so I was like, Jackie, will you please be on the show? Because I feel like there's a whole audience of people that just by sharing your heart and what you've learned, they could learn from you. And so I'm very grateful that she said yes, because Jackie is a straight up rock star in the world of human resources. Now with her degree in HR, she's actually been on a mission to figure out all the ins and outs of how we tick in the workplace as humans. And now she's at a global manufacturing company. So she's making waves by pushing for work environments where everyone feels safe, everyone it has opportunity to to thrive. And so I'm excited to get in the details with the one and only Jackie Camp. Oh, side note, because we also know that this is really important. When she's not navigating the HR world, she is juggling life as a mom of two awesome boys and marking nearly two decades of a happy marriage. You know, we had to include that because we're all about the whole person here. So let's get in the details with Jackie Camp. Jackie, welcome. Thank you, Karen. I'm so honored to be here with you today. That was an amazing introduction. (laughs) It's all you, friend. It's all you. So I was thinking about where to start this conversation. and, And as I got to know you, really what impressed me the most was your journey and how you had a vision for what you wanted to do in life and and it works specifically. And so let's just start with the journey, the journey of Jackie Camp, how you got to this place and the work that you're doing today. I can do that. Thank you. Okay. So it has to start in early adulthood. Essentially, I started um, when I was, I got married very young, got married at 19 years old, hence the two decades, still married. And um, I was searching for a job. I really wasn't sure what, who I wanted to be when I grew up. Not sure if we ever really know the answer to that question because it evolved as we evolve. And I would apply for jobs and I was very, I felt very capable of every job I applied for. And I felt like I could do it. I just needed the tools, the resources, but people just would not give a chance. And I, and I see that, but it was hard on a 19, 20 year old who wanted a career. My goal was a career. I didn't want another job. I could easily go get, you know, a retail job or a job, but I wanted a career. I wanted something that I could grow with and I could make an impact. And so I just continuously got told, no, no experience. You need more experience. And I felt very frustrated by that. And I remember this was right after high school, but before I had 
decided, if you will, if I was going to go to college or not, because I just was not raised by a family that went to college. So it was, a, it was an, a maybe it wasn't a definite, you know? So when I got, I remember coming home and telling my husband, I know what I'm going to school for. I'm going to school for HR because I'm going to hire people like me who don't have experience. And I just really wanted a chance. And I felt so passionate about it. And that's what I did. I enrolled and I spent a long time because I decided to work full time and go to college and then have two kids in that process. So, you know, you got to do it all. Okay. Wonder <laughs> Woman. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and so I got my, my degree in um, human resources management. And while I was going to college, I was building out my career at a, a telecommunications company. And I had been an opportunity to promote several times as I went through it. I went promoted into leadership. And I really enjoyed leadership, but it gave me a lot of opportunity in HR as a, as a leader because you really manage a lot of those HR components from employee attendance issues to corrective actions and performance plans if they're not performing. So all the things that you don't know are HR that really are. Honestly, says everyone who entered HR, because when I entered HR, I was like, oh, I want to connect with the people. And they're like, yes. Yeah, so these policies that we need to update, I'm like, oh my gosh, not what I'm here for, guys. Yes. <laughs> yes. And to that point, my first job in HR was with the company that I'm at today and have been for now nearly 10 years. And it was giving corrective action and terminating people. So oh, you don't want to start there in HR. <laughs> you don't know. You're like, I'm going to go to HR to hire people. And yeah. then my first job in HR is to terminate people. <laughs> so, but it was great experience. And it really gives you an opportunity to understand the people and what makes them tick and what makes them want to come to work, stay at work, just all of those details. But then quickly I realized it was a stepping stone and I am, and I was grateful for it, but it is not the HR that, that I enjoy. There's definitely some negative sides, but there's so much positive in HR that, that we just don't even know about. So I moved into an HR business partner role and that was where I saw it just like the world of HR opened up where you get to, it's exactly like the title says, you are a partner to the business. So you get to really be in those strategic conversations and understand why people are so important to an organization and what it is, how do you, how important it is to keep your employees, to make sure that they're happy. And I found that all of that, at least to me, and what data was showing was it stems from management and leadership. We're not in the business of just managing people and telling them what to do anymore. We are in the business of leading people. And I think that that's HR's, one of our main responsibilities, at least I felt that that was for me, was to help our leaders understand that and really tweak the way that they are managing, leading their people. And so that is, I started just really diving in on understanding attrition, why people are leaving, why they're staying. I'm an employee. I felt like I'm the best resource to say, like, what do I want? What do I need? What's important to me? I'm a mother. I'm a wife, but I'm a career. I'm career motivated. I want to progress. I want to promote. I want to expand, but I need that balance of all of those things in my journey. So just really spending time thinking about that and uh, an opportunity came for the role that I'm in now. And I got a call from my at that time manager and she said that there is a position we would like to explore for you. And so I'm taking, I'm writing them down and she's telling me all the things I'm doing. I'm writing it down and it's leadership development. It's building out programs for employees. 
And as I'm running it down, I look down and this is after the meeting and I'm kind of reflecting on the conversation and you have to really think, is this the right move for me? Is this going to progress where I want to go? And I was reflecting on it and and it was like a light switch. And I'm looking at it and think to myself, I manifested this role. This role did not (laughs) exist in the way that it is today. I manifested this role based on the just putting it out there, what I wanted to do. And it's really about the employee experience and the leaders, developing leaders to just give a great employee experience. And so that's where I am today. And I get to do a lot of leadership development and what I would consider to be a very positive side of HR. Yes, definitely the the most human focused side of HR. I yeah. feel like it is in the development, right? And in, in learning and development, leadership development. I have a, one of my best friends has been in that space uh, with a healthcare provider for years. And while there are challenges there, that is, and we were both in a, a different part of HR previously when we actually worked at the same company together. But now that she's in this role, it's actually one of the things that ties so nicely. And it sounds like this for you too, to your interests and your gifts and your talents, but also it creates like this catalyst for growth within yourself because you're helping other people grow. So, mm-hmm. but I have to just pause and put a pin in the fact that you said, this is what I manifested. Like, I love that because I know you, and this isn't the first time you manifested something specifically that you wanted. The role that you are in, well, actually the company that you're at was something that you manifested. And I would just love if you can share that brief story because you have a lot of receipts and evidence that when you put your mind to something, especially when it aligns with what you feel like you're called to do, which means that it's like, it's deeply rooted in your soul. And then once you're aware of it, you're like, oh, I want to pursue that. Like, that's Mm -hmm. where I feel like manifestation really comes into play. It's not like, oh, I'm a genie. and I'm just going to think it into existence. It's like, no, I'm feeling something very deeply inside of me. And I want that to be true. And I'm going to claim that I want that to be true. And so I'd love to, if you could just share with our audience, one of the first times in your career that you manifested an opportunity. Yes. I love, I love sharing because I'm a huge, huge proponent for manifestation and what it means and what it can do for you. So in my previous company, the telecommunications company, I, I grew up here. So I'm just a town over. And as I was growing up, I used to drive by this company all the time. Everyone knew it. You knew people that worked there and you knew that if they worked there, they were doing well in life, right? So the way that we grew up, that was a prominent employer. And obviously things have changed so much everywhere, but here's for sure. Fast forward years later, and I was a a customer service representative and I used to sit beside a, a friend of mine. We became great friends as we worked together. And I was going, I let her know, she asked me something about school and I let her know I was going to school for human resources. And she said, my cousin is a human resource manager at this corporate company or at this global company. And I was like, when I get my degree, I'm coming back to you. So, you know, we could we could talk about that. And she's okay. This was years later, years. I want to say four years later, maybe even more. I worked there for eight years. So it could have been even longer. Through, through my progressions. And we stayed friends because we stayed in the same department, even as we changed roles and we stayed really close. And one day I was just, I was at work and I was like, I think that my time here is done. I think it's time for me to start looking. And if you would ask me three years before that, I would have said I would retire there because I did love the company. But there's sometimes you get to a place where it's like, okay, I think I've done all I can do here. And that's, that's what it felt like. So I, I decided to 
have that conversation. Something triggered that conversation. And I went back to her and I said, Hey, so I'm, my career's done or my, my college degree is achieved. I'm done. I'm looking for an opportunity in HR. Do you think you could talk to your cousin? And she's like, yeah. She, I mean, it was almost right away. Message her cousin. Cousin says, yeah, I am looking for HR reps. Let's <laughs> let me have a conversation with her. And she set up a conversation and she hired me. And this young Jackie growing up beside this company is now an employee for them. And when you manifest and you set a dream in your heart, your goal, your mind, you put it out there, whatever you feel like you need to do with it, you start taking actions to get there, but they're not always conscious actions. So it feels incredible when you're there and you're like, I did this and you tie it all the way back to that young version of of who had that dream. And it's magical. And I think it's so beautiful because for me as a believer, it's manifestation is this like co-creation with, with God, with the creator of the universe. Right. And so again, when you have the opportunity and you know, like when you know that you have your eyes set for something, there were so many things that were outside of your control that still played into you being perfectly positioned for it. And so when you have an opportunity to present, uh, present it to you, sometimes you think of, oh, I did this to get it. And I did this to get it, but you actually don't control all of the different factors that go into that thing coming through, right? The other things that played into that, which I feel like are so beautiful to point out is the fact that her cousin still worked there. Yeah, <laughs> the fact that she yes. was hiring at the time, the fact that you even remembered that you had this conversation with this girl, because as you mentioned, it was years later. And mm-hmm. all of those small details, one of my favorite books, The Alchemist talks about these omens, positive omens, follow them, right? They're these little signs. I call them yes. God hugs. They're these moments where it's like, you're on the right path. You're doing the right thing. And this place where you are right now is something that was planted in your heart years ago before this opportunity, but you just kind of knew, I want to work there. I want to be there. And I also want to do this kind of work. So not only the Mm -hmm. location where you're working, but then when you had that conversation with your manager and they said, we want to create this role from you. I mean, I'm just, my smile is as big as it was the first day you told me this story. And I'm like, this is so good. (laughs) This is so, so good. And I hope that it encourages our listeners who maybe are in the midst of change, or maybe they are trying to figure out, you know, where they want to go. And you've been quieting that, that still small voice Mm -hmm. that's inside of you trying to give you direction, I would say, pay attention to that. But what would you say to that individual who's like, I know that I need a change. I should make a change. Any advice on how to navigate that? Yes. I think, especially when we talk about like divine guidance or manifestation, however you want to phrase it is not to force something because you may have set this dream, right. And said, I'm going to work for this company, but the the bigger plan might not be that for you, but maybe it's a similar company or maybe it's your own company, but doing similar work. I think that it's important not to force it is to kind of take small actions that lead there, but it cannot be rigid. You have to have opportunity for flexibility and, and kind of going where you're guided versus saying, no, I have to go there. That might not be the right place for you. And, I, and, and as for me as believers, well, I think God does know that. And it, you may or may not see signs because I think for so, for so many of us, we think, well, they'll tell me. Maybe that's not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe you just have to go where it feels right and don't where it feels wrong. And I think that that's very important. And then also with change, to be very honest, when I first got there, I remember telling my husband, I think I made a mistake. I don't think mm-hmm. I should have left. Change is very scary. 
it's very hard and there is an adjustment period. It is not something you're going to wake up and be like, this is the best thing I ever did. I probably will never meet somebody that changes like that and right away feels good about it. That's Especially true. when you're, I mean, even I've talked to you a little bit about building our house and the man and how I felt like we manifested this. But when I left my old house, I was sad. I was genuinely emotional because change is hard, even when it's beautiful. So I think that don't force it. Even if it's something that you think like you really, really want, make sure it's right. Mm-hmm. And know that there is a very uncomfortable part of change, but it will pass and it will be beautiful after. Mm, so much good wisdom in that answer. Thank you so much. And speaking of change, our world and definitely how we work went through significant changes in the past few years. And what bubbled up is something I'm very excited for because I wanted to go into HR for the people. And that's that's why I chose to get into that very specific field was because I wanted the connection. I wanted to uplift one another. You know, I just wanted that. And then I got into it and I was like, oh, I don't know if this is actually, you know, what's happening. But what came to the surface is putting people first. And I know that that came out of a hard situation, the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. It really forced people to consider how they were working. It forced them to change how they were working, not just from an individual standpoint, but from a company standpoint, people were forced to go, you know, remote. And I think because we were all going through, and I remember saying this, like when we were in the midst of the pandemic, that by being forced to go through all of this together and experience this collective grief, if you will, it also heightened our empathy for one another. And that's why I think it really helped businesses shift to, oh, we need to think about our people right now because Mm -hmm. we were all going through this chaotic time. We were literally living through it together. And so one of the most beautiful things about humanity is how we can really come together when things get hard. Mm -hmm. So with that idea of putting people first, people started talking more about human-centric leadership. And it's definitely something, again, based on my background that I desired and I wanted to see, you know, evolve in corporate America. So I'm curious, you seem to also have had that, you know, planted in your heart as you pursued uh, human resources, but what does human-centric leadership actually mean to you? Like, what is your perspective on that and, and how can people live it out? No, I love that. And I completely agree. And I think it goes back to from, again, from managing to people leading, you know, people leading was our baby step. And now human centric leadership is really the goal and where you want to be. And the way that I feel, I look at human centric leadership is really about putting your people first. And when I say that, we all have metrics, whether you're an entrepreneur or you work for somebody, you have a goal, an end goal. You have a task that needs to be achieved to get to a profit, essentially. But your people are what make that happen. So take it, it's kind of like on the plane, you put your mask on first so you can take care of others. You have to do that. You have to take care of the people before the profit, essentially, uh, because people are what develop that. And what that means is understanding them on an individual level. If you have a team, two people are not the same on that team. Some have a family, some don't. Some are, they have multiple siblings, some don't. You know, you need to understand that about your people. You need to understand what makes them tick inside so that they can show up as their best self. But it's also part of creating an environment, a safe environment, if you will. Well, they can share with you. They feel safe to say, hey, I have this going on. So today might not be my best day. And here's why. 
you have to, as a human-centric leader, you have to create an environment where an employee feels safe to come to you and talk through that. Because the end result is that your employees feel safe, they're able to do amazing work, and you produce amazing products or services, depending on the, the organization. But you have to understand your people. And it's just deeper than, you know, Jackie has red hair. <laughs> you yeah. need to know, you know, more than that about, about me in order to support me well and vice versa. Yeah. I remember when we were having some of these conversations, the pushback I would get from different leaders because they were worried that they would get, I don't know if it was like too close. I think what they really meant was like too invested, right? Like, how do I get that? Why do I need to, you know, they just wanted to focus on operations, but you make a good point. And I like to draw this parallel is we work, you know, however many hours alongside our colleagues, working alongside them, whether in an office or even virtually, but you're spending time with these people. You're mm -hmm. spending a lot of time communicating with them and working towards a common goal. So if you were to translate that relationship into a personal relationship, you can pick a friend, you can pick a spouse or whatever. And if you never got to know your friend or your spouse, wouldn't that be an awkward relationship? Of course it would be. Yes. And so all we really need to do is translate the same interpersonal skills into mm -hmm. the professional space. And that doesn't mean somebody is going to turn their boss into their therapist. That's not what we're saying here. What we're yeah. saying is just by seeing the person, then they feel valued and they feel more connected, not just to you, but to the work that you all are doing together. And, and that's the ripple effect. But do you think that there are certain qualities that really like help you to identify, oh, this manager, they're definitely a human-centric leader. Are there any qualities that you see for these people who operate in this way? I would say from leader and just to your point of a friend, I think empathy is mm. having empathy is, you know, I saw this video by Brene Brown, actually, at one of our, one of our summits. And it was where it was talking about empathetic leadership. And it was this little cartoon. And I can't define the characters. I don't know what they all were. There was something yeah. different. I think one was a bear and one was a giraffe. But the, the employee was down into this like well and was feeling really down and really sad. And so, and so they're trying to show the difference between sympathetic and empathetic leadership. And the sympathetic, the empathetic leader climbed down that ladder and said, and basically said, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm going to stand by you while you go through it. And you get in their shoes, if you will. And the sympathetic said, I don't know. They never came down the ladder. They just looked down and said, I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but I hope everything's okay. Mm. So I think that's the difference in a human-centric leader is getting in their shoes to the best of your ability. We're never going to understand exactly what people are going through, but if they feel seen, they feel heard, and they, they feel safe, then they're just going to naturally be happier at their place of employment and they're, they're likely going to be a better employee. And I do think that there is a difference than being a best friend and being a human-centric leader. I think that you can draw that difference. You, you have to understand the difference in you know having tough conversations. That's your job as a leader. Whether you're human-centric or a manager, you have to have them. I personally think human-centric leaders have better ones because they have more compassion. They have more empathy. They understand. And those are the main qualities, I think, from a, a human-centric leader is really the compassion and empathy for their employees. I agree. Because it really does translate to everything. It translates to if somebody makes a mistake, if somebody's late, if somebody 
fell on their face during a presentation. You know, it just, it translates to so many different areas of work. And again, if we just think about it from a personal level, don't we want to feel safe with the people that we're in relation with? And aren't you better when you do? Aren't you a better friend, a better spouse, a better parent? You know, just because we apologize to our kids because we had a moment doesn't make us a bad parent. To me, it makes us a, a better parent because we have that humility to say, you know, I make mistakes too. All right, friends, we're going to pause for just a quick second to spotlight some folks who support the show. So we'll be back in just a moment. Are you ready to supercharge your life and get access to more opportunities than you've ever dreamed of? Then join me, James Whitaker, in the Win the Day Accelerator. Presented by Success, this entire eight-part program has been created to help you activate your winning life once and for all. You'll gain clarity on your goals and purpose. You'll learn how to quickly overcome challenges and you'll get proven tips and frameworks that will deliver you big results fast in all areas of your life. So if you're ready to win, join me in the Win the Day Accelerator. To sign up, visit success.com slash WTD. So speaking of different ways that, you know, things have changed and things have evolved, again, during the pandemic, one of the things I was most impressed with, with you and with the organization is the way that you all navigated a huge shift. And I'd love for you to just talk about that a little bit. You know, what were you thinking about as you started to create these different initiatives? And also, how did you roll that out? Because one of the things that's most impressive is because you are a global manufacturing company, those two things together, people would say, oh, well, it's too big. Are we really going to be able to make a change? Or they would say, well, this isn't really our environment. You know, we don't. But I mean, again, this is a perfect, like, combination, if you will, of where people would probably say, oh, I don't know that we could, but you all did it so effectively. So walk us through some of the things that you and the team were considering during the pandemic, things that you implemented, and where are you seeing the greatest success? Absolutely. So I think like most companies, you we were all caught off guard with, you know, remote instant remote work to everyone. That is tough. That's really tough. And and even though there's a lot of beauty in it, there's a lot of kind of muck, if you will, because you don't know what to do. You know, you're just kind of, I love the term, but you're building the ladder as you climb because you don't know. And I think that for us, we were, that created a myth and likely, I feel like we were already in it, but with a culture shift of the organization in general and going home and redefining the way that we work was a huge part of that. Now, at the beginning, it's tough because you don't know what to do. So you really just are grasping for ways to to make sure you're staying connected, make sure you're checking in on your employees and you feel, and, and it, it goes beyond the productivity and it goes more to, to the mental health of your employees. How are you doing? What do you need? How can I help? In, in addition to you know making sure you're producing. So I think that for us, it was baby steps and still is, you know, I think that it's a battle or a a journey that you take every single day as always reflecting and reevaluating and determining what's best, enhancing, if you will. So enhancing the, the work from home, how is it working? What could be better? What should we be doing? And then putting materials together, putting content out there to support our leaders. And that's a lot of what we get to do as an opportunity to help our leaders get more comfortable in these types of environments. But I think that for any company or any any organization going through a type of culture shift, you hear this term a lot, but it's just the reality is top down. So it's really from your leaders and influencing, you know, what they want from their their culture. So the leader's going to essentially take 
data and surveys and different things to understand what is it that my people want? What do we see as, as the future of our organization? And then reverse engineer it and come back to say, like, these are the things that we need to, to make change on. Some of that is personal touches. It's having more personal touches with the employees. And maybe that's with a coffee chat with more important employees. Maybe that's with the letter recognizing efforts with different ways to bring people together from community service events to on-site events that just raise vibration, raise energy of the teams. So all of those types of things. And then just transparency on here's where we are. Here's where we want to be. And here's our plan to get there. All of those things contribute to that more, just a better culture but it's baby steps. It's taking it one at a time. I don't think that we could say tomorrow, we're going to look like this. You know, We have to take steps and we have to implement and we have to get on board. And then we implement another one and then we enhance it and we constantly reflect and, and evaluate. And I feel like the manufacturing company that I work for is doing a really great job at doing that now is understanding their people, what it is and they need. Another, another thing that will shift a culture is enhancing benefits. You know, we've all had the same benefits for years for the most part. And then there is some, some newer, I'll say newer age. I even hate saying that, but some newer age benefits that have come down. And part of the, the role of a culture shift and a, and a top down leader is to say, well, what could be better that we, maybe we don't have? Uh, and enhancing that and employees that for your employees that are going to be a part of the chain, the culture change and that are going to be with you for a long time, they see those micro changes and they say, that's it. That's what I'm here for are those changes because it isn't overnight and it's not going to be on a macro scale. And we have to give grace and understanding and see what it's leading to. And I feel like um, our company's doing a really great job of doing that. Yeah. I mean, you just hit so many different points. One is that flow of communication, which I've even worked with organizations where there was no flow in communication. And Huge. that it, that can be to the death of the company, right? I mean, maybe death is strong to the detriment yeah. of the company. But, yeah. but the point is, is like, if you are not creating a culture where feedback is this experience that's really normal, and mm -hmm. healthy. And the communication is flowing because everybody is working towards the same common goal. Then you're going to have so many bottlenecks. You won't even know where to start. That yeah. that's, that's the first part, right? Yes. And then you also have turnover, which is an ugly word, right? Like that's not what you want, especially from HR, from company. You don't want that. But if employees cannot, I'm like, I'm an employee, so I need to get behind the goal, but I have to understand it, which means I need transparency. If you tell me we're, we're reaching for this, it's going to require a lot of this. Mm -hmm. I'm okay because I support this, mm -hmm. but you have to have that. I think that the transparency is key. People will get behind the message if they understand it. It's when right. they're in the dark. It's whenever the, the, the curtains up and you know nothing, but you want, X, Y, and Z from your employees, that's going to be really hard sell. Mm -hmm. So I think really, really being transparent with, with your employees. And I believe that in life in general, with your friends, your kids, everyone, they're just going to rally behind you that much more. Exactly. And again, the transparency goes both ways. You may try something, you communicate, you want it done a certain way. And if it doesn't work for the people who are actually doing it, receiving that feedback and being able to adjust and adjust quickly is mm -hmm. what's going to accelerate the growth of the company. But then you also, I mean, you're covering so many good things, but, but I do feel like to pause and just think about the flexibility, which is something that is, is also important. You talked about how 
you know, we had to very quickly and instantly shift to remote, but it doesn't just mean that it's going to stay remote forever. That's one of those small micro changes that I saw a lot of my clients do successfully was offer the flexibility based on the individual and whatever their life circumstances are. Maybe they turned into a caregiver for an elderly parent. Maybe they're and anything, right? The list goes on. Maybe they work better at home and they found that they work better at home. That's another mm-hmm. reality. But having that flexibility is so, so key because each individual is different and they're going to succeed differently based on the support that they need, which will again be unique to that person. But flexibility mm-hmm. is key so that individuals can thrive in the way that they best do so. Yeah. Yes, I agree. And I think that if we were to pull up a a job posting anywhere, you're likely going to see a company benefit of of flexibility. But flexibility, I want to make sure is clear. It isn't necessarily just virtual work. It's understanding that there needs to be flexibility for your employees for the company's success. So maybe it's a start time. Maybe you take your child to school because you're, you don't have another opportunity, another chance or another a resource to do that. So maybe starting your shift at 8.30 makes sense. Flexibility to say, why, why don't you come in here? Or just very varying things like that. Maybe it's picking the children up or maybe it's a, a caregiver. There are different scenarios that w- would require flexibility, but it isn't just about being in an office, being at home. It's about understanding your employees. It goes back to human-centric leadership. It's really understanding the needs of your employees and having an, an opportunity to create that flexibility or autonomous so that your employees feel autonomous to make decisions. Another word you can use is empowered, empower your employees to make decisions that best suit how to achieve both, how to achieve whatever those personal commitments are and end your work. You know, sometimes somebody may say, I have to go to a function at this time, but I'm going to be back on this evening. I have a deliverable that will be met. That's flexibility. That, that's the that's the goal. And that's how we get, again, to a more human-centric leader. But we also have really thriving and productive employees. Yes, yes. And then the other thing you said that I love so much is how you really communicated to get everybody on the same page. You know, you held special events that helped uh, to communicate, hey, this is the way forward. These are some of the changes we're, you know, that shared language, if you will, to make sure that your leaders are all leading in a united way. We have, we have, we think about this, or you think about a family, we have to be a united front. Well, we want to be that at work too. And again, sometimes where it becomes disjointed is maybe. Maybe at the top, they're talking about it, but they haven't brought it down to the executive level, to the director level, the manager, so on. So for you, do you think that there was anything secret sauce, if you will, uh, that you all were able to get everybody on the on the same page to say, hey, these are some of the changes we're making in our culture and the organization, and this is the way forward? Yep. I think open communication consistently. And it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be a production. Could just simply be a message from your leader, from from your main leader that says, hey, here's here's the messiness that we're working through together. Here's where we want to go. And of course, it would likely be a little bit more polished than that. But (laughs) you can read in the details to say, you know, they're figuring it out like we are. And that's okay. And I think that that consistent communication, the open dialogue, allowing for, for you allow, you want to allow for your employees to be able to make a, take a risk and make a mistake and it be okay. 
but you have to expect the same from your leaders. Like we we're going to make mistakes. Leaders will make mistakes too. And I think letting them have that free space to do that without ridicule, judgment, persecution, whatever you want to call it. I think it's very important. And I, and I feel like that is a big shift in, in culture that we're, we see, I see personally where I am, but I can probably pull case studies to show it. It's consistent across because people want to show up as people for people. Yeah. And I think that that's showing that is so important. Absolutely. Oh, well, again, I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to chat because you shared a lot of gems I know are going to help our listeners and you're leaving a legacy. I don't know if you know this, Jackie, but you are most definitely leaving an imprint on the world around you. But I am curious, what do you hope your legacy will be? I appreciate you saying that because it's a hard question. It's a hard thing to think about as you go through your day to day and your journey, you have a couple. So for example, you, if you have children, you think about, okay, I want my children to look back and say, she was at the games, you know, she was asking me great questions and she was giving me a shoulder and she was my mentor and confidant and she loved me so much, you know, so that legacy, but that legacy is going to look different, but maybe it bleeds into the same as wanting to be able to leave people better, if you will. So you have your own aspirations. I have my own aspirations. I want to be better than the Jackie yesterday. But my goal as a leader is to make sure that I'm doing that for my team as well. I'm inspiring them and encouraging them and leaving them better. I think that teaching or guiding people to just be better leaders is is a big piece and because it impacts so many people because we all have somebody that we work for or around that we want to make us feel really good um, and i think that that's that's something that i always want to make sure i'm doing is leaving people better making them to helping them to feel good about what they can do and who they are yes you're doing exactly that Every every leader who has benefited from the work that you and the team are doing, not only are they becoming better, but yeah, you're right. They're making the people around them better, their teams, even their family, their, their friends. It's a ripple effect, which you know, I'm very big about the ripple effect. <laughs> you're and doing that a, for us, Karen. You it's know. a real thing. It's a real thing. Okay. Well, before we go, I have some rapid fire questions. You ready? I'm as ready as I'm going to be. <laughs> okay. When you think about self-care, what fills your cup? I, people don't believe it, but I am an introvert. So for me, I really enjoy time to recharge alone. Honestly, that is my biggest self-care. You can add in the, a bath, coffee, you know, all of those things are important, but just getting that time to, to recharge is self-care for me, my alone time to, to be able to show up better for everybody else. I love it. What's one mistake that you experienced, but learned from in your career? I think that for me, a mistake, the mistake is simple, but I want to, I want to go back to the impact after. So I have always been very much perfectionist and I was in a meeting and the data that I shared had been messed up. Like the, the Excel's ha, uh, cells had been messed up and it was with the executive leaders and they could tell. And so they're commenting on it. And I was horrified that it was incorrect. And I remember taking that away and was just, I mean, it's like a, a, a cloud around me. If you were near me, you knew that that was not good for me. I do not like to make mistakes, even little ones. At the time, it felt huge. But my manager at the time was like, you're going to beat yourself up. It's not a big deal. 
we'll move on. Of course, that is not how I took it, but I appreciated his support. But what I did with that is exactly what he said to me is now I say to my employees, I had an employee send something out and they were panicked. It's okay. It's okay. Don't, don't let this bother you. But going through that experience allowed me to really empathetically say it is okay. Oh, I love <laughs> we all <that>. do it. <laughs> I love that. See how we even pass things down from good leaders, which is yeah, so you don't forget. It's the ripple effect. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. All expense paid vacation to anywhere in the world. Where are you going and who are you taking with you? I'm going to New York City again. <laughs> and I'm taking my husband because there is nobody else that will walk those 30,000 steps a day in the city than that man. <laughs> oh, and it's I my favorite it. place in the world. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, well, Jackie, thank you so much for spending time with me today for sharing a lot of wisdom as it pertains to human centric leadership, the success you've experienced as an individual, but also the success that you're helping to pioneer for your organization. It's amazing. And again, I'm so glad that our paths have crossed, but now I'm even happier that my audience got a chance to learn from you and to meet you as well. So thank you for being here. No, I feel like I'm just repaying you, Karen, because you were trans transformational for our team. We loved having you. Can't wait to have you back. And you are the queen of human centric. And we're <laughs> learning from you every time, every time. Oh, so thank you. I'm definitely thank you, paying you back for, for your time you spent with us. <laughs> thank you, friend. We'll have to do this again soon. Yes, absolutely. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcasts.